0: Good morning. The reading of the scripture is from 1 Samuel 16, uh, verses 6 through 13 in your pew Bible. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see... They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shamama pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord hasn't chosen any one of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. Blessed be the word of the Lord.
1: This morning I'm going to start a three-week series on David, uh, King David. I know uh, uh, Catherine Franzen, Catherine Catherine Putnam Netto uh, talked, did some preaching from Samuel, and it uh, kind of inspired me to talk a little bit about about David. And I don't think she talked about the same story as I'm talking about. So you'll get a good you get a good feel for Samuel by the time we're done. <laughs> um, uh, why David? Well, David is such an important figure, and I dare say this that without understanding who David was, you have a difficult time really grasping. Uh, the Gospels and who Jesus is in the Gospels, because David plays heavily into the expectations that everyone had uh, when Jesus came about, when Jesus came around. There were a lot of people with a lot of expectations. A lot of that centered on who King David was, because King David represented the pinnacle of what it was to be the Hebrew people of God, he, he represented the heyday of Israel when David was king, and uh, it wasn't long after David, everyone started being nostalgic about longing for the days of when David was king and how wonderful that would be again, because he was a he was a mighty warrior, and they they expanded territory, and they had a great kingdom, and he was a good-looking guy and had all kinds of so there was just a lot of great things happening. It was it was like how some people around here long for the 50s again and uh and wish it was like that. However, if you read Samuel uh it it wasn't all, you know, roses and, and, uh, wonderfulness. Uh, there were some difficulties at that time as well. And David was no saint. <laughs> we'll get into that. Uh, and I would dare say the same is true of the fifties. It was not so great <laughs> as maybe you remember it. Cause there were a lot of, particularly if you were a person of color or something like that, right? You know, so it's all perspective, but, uh, we're talking about David and, and the other, the other thing that, so whenever, you hear Jesus referred to as the Messiah. In the original context, what that word meant was a king like David. And in fact, the story we heard today is the story of David becoming the anointed one, which is what the word Messiah literally means, is the anointed one. So David was the Messiah, And when Jesus came along, and Jesus' followers referred to him as the Messiah, what they were saying was, in Jesus Christ, all of those hopes and dreams and expectations that you had in mind, all of those longings you had for a time when uh, God's people were like in the days of David, all of those hopes and dreams are found and realized in Jesus Christ. The Anointed One, the Messiah of God. Now, they didn't, you know, quite expect that kind of Messiah, so it took some explaining. But Messiah really, uh, in the hearts and minds of Jesus's original followers, really was deeply connected to David. That's why Jesus had to come out of the house of David uh, and the root of Jesse, as Isaiah puts it. So. And how do we get, so uh, we get King David because uh, early in Samuel, you'll see that if you were to read it, you'll see that the God's people didn't have a king and all the other countries had a king and God's people said, well, we want to be, we want to be like everybody else. We want to be a legit country. We want to be a legit tribe of people and, and we want to, you know, we want to be taken Seriously so we want a king like everybody else and so samuel went to god and god said i don't know why these people need a king but fine if that's what they want i'll give them a king and so uh samuel was told to anoint saul who was out of the tribe of ben he was a ben uh, benite or something to that effect and uh so samuel anointed saul and uh you know, Saul was okay, I guess, but um, at some point, and I won't, I won't get into it because it's rather violent. It's almost, you know, it's almost, uh, you know, PG. It's it's beyond PG thirteen. What happens? But basically, Saul disobeyed the word of God and decided to do things his own way, and because of that, God said, "You know what? Saul is no longer my king." And Samuel went and bawled, Saw out, got mad at him, and then never entered the court again. Samuel withdrew and went to Ramah until God called him to go to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem. Go visit Jesse. Yes, seven sons, and out of those seven sons, I am appointing. I'm anointing a king, and so. As the story, that's where we picked up the scripture today. Samuel goes to Jesse's house. And he says, bring me your seven sons. There's a, I'm going to anoint one of them king, which I'm sure freaked out Jesse. But uh, here they all come. And from the tallest to the shortest, uh, Samuel stood in front of them. And as they came in, the first one, he thought, man, look at this guy. He's this. Wow, that's a king. If ever I've seen a king. And the Lord said to Samuel, don't, don't look at the outside. I'm not looking at the outside. Don't look at appearance or height or any of those things for I look at the heart and this is not the guy. So Samuel went to the next one, not the guy went to the next one on through seven sons. And he looked at Jesse, he goes, wait a minute, <laughs> what's going on here? And he said, "Well, I do have one other son, but he's out taking care of the sheep. <laughs> and we like him doing that." <laughs> so, so we didn't want to disturb him. He said, "Bring that, Bring that kid in." But here comes this small boy I don't know how old it doesn't tell us how old, but we can assume he was small, because he had the dirt job of having to watch the sheep, you know, uh, comes in, look, good-looking kid. This is the one and Samuel anoints his head with oil and the spirit of God was with Samuel or with David from that day forward. And you can see from this, this is how it reminds me as I hear this story of how in the gospels, Uh, the Spirit of God descended on Jesus at his baptism. And the gospel writers, kind of on purpose, want to draw your attention back to the anointing of David to remind you that Jesus is the anointed Messiah of God. And from that day on, David was the secret king of Israel. Secret because... Everyone knew if Saul found out that Samuel had anointed a new king, Saul would have killed him. But the Lord works in mysterious ways, and David leaves from there to go and be in Saul's court. Why? Because David is a great singer and plays the harp, and Saul couldn't sleep at night because he, was, he knew that God was mad at him. And it was only when David would sing and play his harp that Saul was able to sleep. So there was the anointed king in the court of Saul in a very precarious situation. And it brings to mind, you know, David is a, a, many of the Psalms are attributed to David And in particular, Psalm 23 is attributed to David. And this whole scene makes me wonder about Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pasture. I can't do it without the King James Version. He leadeth me beside still waters. Uh, He restoreth my soul. He anointeth my head with oil. My cup runneth over. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Here he is in the house of Saul, right in front of someone who, if he knew that his head was anointed with oil, would kill him. In fact, there's a scene in Samuel where Saul gets angry and throws a spear at David. So I look at this Psalm 20, and actually I I need to credit, Pastor Tim and I were talking about this text uh, while I was in Seattle this last week, and it, it, this is i 'm really giving you his insights into psalm twenty three here so I want to credit Pastor Tim with this wonderful reflection on how psalm twenty three has this this weird twist of of trepidation and fear and precarious situation for David in the house of Saul, and yet the spirit of God was with him. What I hear in this text today is the, to me, what stands out is the reality that, you know, on paper, Saul was a great King. There was nothing wrong with. Saul. And in fact, I, you know, as I read Samuel, I think Saul kind of got a bad rap, but the reality was that Saul was a great King on paper. He was great among other Kings. When they got together in their little King club, You know, I bet, I bet Saul was probably like vice president of the king club because he was so great, (laughs) you know, that he looked like everyone else's king, but he was lacking something. His ambitions were not for the ways of God. His ambitions were to be a great king for his own ends, for his own means, and maybe even just for his own people and wanting to have a great kingdom But Saul did not have a heart for what God wanted for God's people. And that's where David has it all over Saul. And, you know, Jesse's other sons, they looked great on paper. They looked like great kings, would have been great kings. But David, we are told in Scripture, is a man who was after God's own heart. David had a heart that was for God. The ways of God and what David desired in the deepest parts of his soul is to please God is to be in step with God's spirit is to be at one with God is to respond to God's leading is to be an agent of God's will is to lay himself down before God and say take me and do with me what you will let me be your ambassador to this hurt and broken world let me be the one who advocates for your ways let me put myself aside and follow you and God said, that's the kind of king I need. Someone who's humble enough to say, God, I need to know what you want and where your guidance is going to come. And in the same way, it's not just for kings, this being after God's own heart, this looking to be Pleasure to God, this looking to God for our steps and our guidance. We too are called, and God looks to our own hearts. And God doesn't look at the, you know, we, we, sometimes we think we're just not qualified. Sometimes we think we just don't have what it takes. Sometimes we think, and this, this, I've, I've done this at many times in my walk. Sometimes we think, you know what, if I just had another few months to get my act together, then God, I'll be your guy. You know, give me a couple of months to deal with this kind of thing. But God doesn't care about that. God doesn't look at that. God doesn't look at your past and the things that you've done. God doesn't look at your resume and your talents and your abilities and and look for uh, for those kinds of things. God doesn't know whether, you, you know, doesn't care whether you've got your act together or doesn't care that you get a little anxious sometimes or doesn't care that you go see a therapist or doesn't care that you've, uh, you know, your world has fallen apart several times and you've had to pick it back up. But what God cares about is our capacity or desire or willingness or faith to just say, God, show me what you need me to do and I'll do it. God desires our willing heart and uh, is is willing to just, uh, God will fill in the rest. (laughs) When we say yes and when we say we are willing, God empowers us with everything else we need. The rest can it 's like when i when I used to look for when I was a youth pastor and I looked for help um, with the youth group i didn 't look for people who knew who had skills in you know, work in, uh, organizing things or had skills in doing games or had all this kind of talent and stuff like that. There was one qualification I looked for in anyone working with youth. And that is, can you carry on a conversation with a teenager? You know, cause sometimes there's, there's some kinds of people, there's two kinds of people. There's people who can just have a natural conversation with a teenager and like it's anyone else. And then there's folks who kind of change the way they talk when they're talking to a teenager because teenagers are scary. I don't know if you you know, they're scary. They're intimidating. They're mean. They tell you exactly what's wrong with you and do it in a way that is, you know, sticks with you for a while. (laughs) And you know, they're, they're too honest. Right. And so teens are intimidating. But if I find someone who can just have a natural conversation with a, a teenager, I can fill in the rest. I can teach you how to lead a game or give a talk or do a devotion or any of those things. You can't teach that other thing because you have a heart. Someone like that has a heart for teenagers, right? In the same way, God's just looking for people who have a heart for God. Amen. And God will fill in the rest. All the things that that you think God wants you to do, and a lot of them are true. (laughs) God does want you to do those things. But not on your own strength. On God's strength. God is going to give you everything you need. All we are required to have is a willing heart. And a desire to follow God. Amen? Let us pray. A loving and gracious God. It seems so simple and yet it is so hard to give up that control to give up our ambitions, to not come to you with our plans, but to say, God, tell me your plans and let me be an agent of your will. May you give us hearts that long for you, that long to know you and to please you and to follow your ways. And May we learn from Jesus, your son, how to do that. And we ask all these things in the powerful name of Christ. Amen.